Luke chapter 7, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. When Jesus finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, quote, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, everybody say that, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And he turned to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Father, we thank you tonight for your presence, for your power, for the joy that's been here in the house. Lord, in the moments that remain as I preach your word, as we break open the word of life, the word of truth, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. And as we open your word, We're asking God for you to release a download from heaven that would change us. We're asking tonight, God, for fresh manna. We're asking tonight, God, for fresh insight and even revelation from your word to bring us to a new place of faith and authority, to a new place of power that the world may know that you have risen from the grave and took the sins of men who believe upon you. So do what you love to do. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, again, go ahead. We thank and praise you. We won't stop you. We won't hinder you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd encourage you to take some notes as I preach this message on faith. Faith is like a diamond. There's many facets to faith. So you can hear lots of messages on faith and still never really get the whole The whole thing. So this is just a one of the cuts of a diamond, if you will. A message on faith tonight. It's an example of great faith here in the book of Luke, chapter 7. Jesus marveled at his faith. Now faith is important. Everybody say faith's important. Faith's important because without faith it's impossible to please him. Without faith, you can't please God. How many of you want to please God? Well, you gotta have faith then. It takes faith to be saved. It takes faith really to be healed somewhere. I heard one man say, well, you know, the the person that's being healed, he doesn't have to have faith. And I think maybe that's true. The person bringing the healing, the person laying hands can have faith. The other guy can have no faith. I've seen that. There's all kinds of stories of healing and deliverance, but there's always faith present somewhere. Hebrews 6.11, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe That he exists and he is the rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Mark 9 verse 6. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. It foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus says, Oh, unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Faith. Oh, unbelieving generation. Faith is important. All things are possible to them that believe. Do you know that scripture? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. 
He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Come on, somebody say, nothing will be impossible for me. Nothing's impossible for me as long as I have faith. And that faith, it's not, the, it's not the, the size, it's really the quality of it. The mustard seed, mustard seed faith. The smallest seed, yet it grows to be a plant that even birds can land on. Jesus rebukes his disciples for unbelief. And I have been rebuked for unbelief. In fact, when I stand before the Lord, sometimes when I'm believing for great things, I have faith for it, but then there's that little whisper that says, I don't know. I say, Lord, help my unbelief. That's a biblical prayer to pray. So Jesus rebuked his disciples for their unbelief. According to your faith, it says in Matthew 9, verse 29, that when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked him, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. He touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, may it be done unto you. Now listen, I don't like that scripture. I'd like to take a little indelible marker maybe and etch that out kind of or maybe yank that page you know why i don't like it but it's truth i like truth but the reason i don't like it is according to your faith may be done to you now listen to this because we want to point the finger we want to blame all kinds of people oh that shirt i'm not going to that shirt they don't serve any meat why don't you get your own steak knife out bubba and cut your own meat at home Anybody that says that really is just an admission of their own immaturity. And all the people of God said, Amen. I don't like it because it puts some weight on me. According to your faith may it be done unto you. In other words, my faith makes a difference. Come on, your faith makes a difference. And we can want to try to point the finger at somebody and say, well, that's not Try to point the finger and try to blame somebody for something not happening when in fact it might be because we've lacked faith. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I'm saying faith is important. It's critical. It really is. Now, we want to discover some things about faith from, a, from this Roman centurion, which is like a jumbo shrimp. It's an oxymoron because you wouldn't think that you'd be learning something from a Gentile who, who really, I mean, how would you learn something from a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier? They really weren't the most godly people. I mean, if you, if you read history and go through stories of historical events and Josephus, I mean, Roman soldiers, they were mean. They weren't faith-filled guys generally. So for the Lord to pick a Roman centurion to be a testimony of what great faith is, it's kind of unusual. And there's much to learn from this story. Faith is seen in his everyday life. What do you mean faith is seen in his everyday life? Well, a servant was a slave. Okay? And again, you can read through history. They, weren't, they were treated like a tool. They weren't treated like human beings. They were not treated like they were made in the image of God. They were treated as tools. They were throwaways. Well, they were worth money. They were slaves. And so a Roman centurion that loved his servant says something about this guy. That he had faith in his everyday life. You know, I've been around people that call themselves Christians, but they're really not very nice at all. Christian means Christ-like, so if you're really not living for God and you're a jerk, just call yourself by some other name. Because it's people that have called themselves Christians that have really brought a mark on the body. In other words, they were really full-throttle hypocrites. They went to church on Sunday morning, maybe. Maybe. And But then they said they're Christians, but then they live like the devil, man, the whole rest of the week. Come to get clean their conscience at a dry cleaning service on Sunday morning. Go out and still live stupid the whole rest of the week. And then they say they're Christian. Well, are you Christian? Oh, yeah. Do you live like that? Don't tell them you go to my church, all right? All right, good. Praise God. We got that straight. And if you get to heaven, don't tell them you went here either, all right? All right. 
Now listen, I'm also mindful that when I came in, man, I was one foot big in the, earth, in the world and another, maybe a big toe in the kingdom. I, just, I prayed the sinner's prayer, yeah. But I was, my mind was tormented. I needed renewing. I needed healing. I, I mean, I had a lot of hitchhikers. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When I was like the lived with the boogeyman. Ugly. I'm thankful that somebody didn't, I wasn't living like a Christian all week long, but I was trying. I was trying. I was getting prayer and little by little, you know, God sanctified me. Come on, how many of you thankful that God sanctified you? You know, it takes faith to be sanctified. Don't mind if we don't get in and instantly we're walking on water. I walked on water today. We're in Alaska after all. It was frozen. Okay. So faith is seen in his everyday life. He loved, his, he loved his servant. And though he was a Roman, he loved the nation of Israel. You know, I want to tell you that uh, as a Christian, you are obligated to love the nation of Israel. If you don't love the nation of Israel, you probably don't read the Word. And we owe them a debt. A debt of love. We need to pray for Israel. You know, there's all kinds of books that have been written, and I really can't speak all that intelligently about it, but... I remember reading a, a, a book about how when America steps away from Israel, tragedy comes on America. Every time we step away from supporting them, it's like tragedy comes. We need to stand with Israel. We really need to. And this Roman, he stood with Israel. He loved Israel. He loved the God of Israel. He feared God. And he, and he showed that by building. The guy built a synagogue. He said, well, what's a synagogue? The synagogue and the temple. The temple is where the Ark of the Covenant was. It's where they performed all the, 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 the Day of Atonement. It's where the high priest did his ministry. A synagogue was like an extension. The, the, the Ark wasn't there, but they, they had reading of the Word. and They had worship that took place there. But it wasn't the place of high worship. It wasn't the temple. This guy built a synagogue. Paid for it, apparently. He was humble. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a faith of a centurion is seen in his everyday life. And I want to tell you, faith is important in this life. And it's important for you and I. And it should be seen not in the big, furly, highfalutin prayer that you might pray for someone to be healed from some disease. It's literally walked out in your everyday life. The way that you treat your wife. The way that you tip the waitress. The way that you live. The way that you speak. The movies you watch. Mm, yeah. What you listen to, what you spend your money on. Oh, let's go there for a second. Now, I know many people use debit cards now and don't write checks out and stuff like that. I just want to say, well, whatever, if you get your bank statement or if you want to just look in your check. Do you know most of this generation doesn't know how to register a check, doesn't know how to balance a checkbook? Do you know that? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but most people don't know how to balance a checkbook. We wonder why we're in such an economic problem. You want to know where, where your, your main worship is? Well, you look at how, you might be worshiping Starbucks. Look at where most of your, well, look at where your, where your money goes to mostly. You look, you, you can open your check register, and if you, and if you see overwhelming amount of like Bockbuster, okay, or, you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Your money is where your heart is. His faith was seen, this Roman, by, by loving the God of Israel, by building the synagogue. He was humble. Now, he was probably a centurion over about a hundred men. And he was a man of, of affluence and influence. And he could have been prideful. He really, he could have been prideful. But he wasn't. He sent elders and, and friends to, to go talk to Jesus. That story is also told in Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew's Gospel, he comes himself, the centurion comes. But in every case, he doesn't think that Jesus should come to his house because he was, because he was all something. Look, a centurion was a man of power. A man of authority. He could have demanded his right in, in both Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, he counts himself as unworthy. He's humble. He's, you know, when you have faith and you really understand who God is, you'll walk humbly before Him. Now, the fourth thing that gets me is this. 
He never even saw a miracle. It says, because if he saw a miracle, what it said, it doesn't say that he saw a miracle. It says, verse 3, look at verse 3. He'd only heard that Jesus, when he heard that Jesus, he heard about Jesus' miracles. Somebody testified to him. Somebody testified. Somebody shared. Now, what's interesting is that his faith was tied to authority. Now, I'm probably going to get up in your business right now. Because most people don't have a revelation of authority. And the reason is generally because they're really still mad at their mother and father that abused their role of authority or the pastor that they were, the church they were once at that had a church split and how they got abused and they didn't have, they didn't go through stuff. And there's some leadership that's out there that's, that's bad. I mean, I understand that. I, I will also say that you can't give what you don't first have. And if you're unhealed, then you're going to make unhealed disciples and you'll make decisions that are unhealed. His faith is tied to his authority. He was under authority. He talks about how I might, he says, I myself am under authority. You need to be under authority. You want to have great faith? You need to understand that you need to be under authority. He exercised his authority. Now, you know when people have authority, especially spiritual authority, because they use it. I remember Jesse Duplantis was getting on a plane before he used his own to fly around. He was getting on a plane with his family, and his daughter said, Dad, I really want you know, something to eat. And, and he said, we should have gone there before. He said, please, Dad. I mean, the gates are about to close. He gets up. He runs out of the plane. He, the, the captain's standing there, and he says, you will hold the plane. And he leaves. I will be back, hold the plane. And he takes off. Goes and gets the biscuit or whatever he had to get. He comes back. They held the plane. They held the plane. He was late. They held it for five minutes. They didn't know who he was. He came back. He got on. People were irritated at him. He sat down. He gave his daughter the, the biscuit. And she was, she, he felt like the Lord told him to do it. Now, he had authority. You can tell when people have authority because they use it. They walk in it. There's something about them when they come in the room. There's something about them when they show up on the scene. It's amazing how people respond in the midst of authority. One of the things they teach us, I was a first responder. I've since lost my licensing for that. But when I would show up at a scene where somebody would be injured, one of the first things they tell you, is you tell them, you, you, you tell them, I'm a first responder, I'm medically trained, I'm here to help. Here's what you see the person do. <gasps> they relax. This centurion understood authority. He was under authority, he exercised his authority, and he recognized Jesus' authority. Now let me, let me say this to you. There are two spheres of authority. This is worth writing down. There's structural authority and spiritual authority. Structural authority. Structural authority is like the government laws that you and I have to obey. I was driving from Anchorage. There's a speeding law, 65 miles an hour. As I went flying past Tammy, I thought I should probably make sure I wasn't speeding too much. I think she was doing 65 just to show off. And I was doing 70. Because I was talking to a police officer friend of mine and they told me it's allowable anywhere between five to seven, sometimes nine over. After that, you're getting a ticket. So when I drive, I figured that was authority. He was telling me I could drive five to seven over. I, I know somebody that will not break the speed limit because he says this. When I break the speed limit, that's breaking structural authority, Pastor Daniel. I said, uh-huh. And, and he says, and when you break structural authority, that means that the hand of the Lord comes off you because you're, you're disobeying. I thought, shock, I thought I'm going to have that revelation. I don't have that revelation, hallelujah. But it really is, it really is biblically true that we're under authority. There's structural authority. Now listen, God will teach you spiritual authority by being submitted to structural authority. Did you get that? 
If you can't submit to structural authority, don't tell me that you've got great faith and you're submitted to God's authority because you're confused. He teaches it in the home. Spiritual authority is learning through submitting to structural authority. And this guy, this Roman centurion, had great faith. He had learned to submit to authority. There's something about this. Now, many have been hurt and wounded, as I said, because they had people that were abusive in authority. And if that happened to you, I'm sorry. And I repent on behalf of all leaders who hurt you. And if I've ever done something to harm you, that certainly wasn't my heart. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, I've done, some, I've done things that, you know, I've, had, I've got flesh. Now, I've, I've, I, in, in the past, I've counseled people. And, you know, we give them counsel, then they go and don't listen. Now, I'm going to tell you, when somebody comes in for counsel, and then they go and they don't listen, if they get me when I'm not full of the Holy Ghost, and there are times where I have leaked out. Hello? Oh, not you? You full all the time? Okay, praise the Lord. Well, maybe you can pray for me after the service. We've been a long day. You're tired. You're hungry. You know, you all of a sudden you just need to like, that's when you need to go away to the mountain and retreat and get God just re- refresh you. You know, but as I'm on the way to the mountain, somebody stops me and they have to talk to me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No, you have to tell me now. And so in those instances, I've said, I'm okay. I'm going to tell you. You ready? Yeah. You're a fool. I told you what to do. You didn't do it. Go, you made your bed. Go sleep in it. Slick. By the way, I don't want to counsel you anymore. God bless you. Why waste my time? Right? Okay, but that, that, that's not exactly, it's not exactly gracious. And I've hurt people in those moments and had to repent for it. This Roman centurion had great faith because he was under authority. He exercised his authority and he recognized Jesus' authority. He understood that just as he had authority in the natural, Jesus had authority in the spirit realm. Demon, go. And demon leaves. Sickness, go. Sickness leaves. Death, loose your hold. Death, loose your hold. And death has got to go. All right, what's God saying to us? Well, I think He's saying this as I wrap this message up. How does the Lord feel about your faith? How does he feel about it? Is he, do you think he's amazed at your faith? Or is he amazed at your unbelief? I don't know. But that's a good question to ask, not to get under condemnation. But I mean, examine yourself. You know that's a biblical thing to examine yourself. Do you know that? Examine yourself. See, how are you doing? Ask God to put His finger on things that displease you. You know, one of the great things about marriage is that you can really help each other. And in marriage, you should be helping each other that way. Because there's times when I'm just as dumb as a box of rocks. And, and, and my wife really helps me. She really does. And I know she cares for me. Come on, lift your hands and just thank Jesus right now. Thank you, God. Come on. Look at the person on your right and left to slap them five and say, how's your faith? Come on. All right. Will Jesus be amazed at your faith or amazed at your unbelief? Two times in Scripture the Lord is amazed. It's here and Mark 6. Mark 6, Jesus, verse 4, Jesus said to them only in his hometown among his own relatives and his own house as a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there. Watch this now, except he lay hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now listen to this. The perception of Nazareth and Capernaum are two different perceptions. And I will tell you that your perception will affect your faith. And if you have a perception that Jesus is something other than He is, then you will have a hard time receiving Him. 
Look, there's people that don't believe that God baptizes in the Holy Ghost and gives the evidence of speaking in tongues. There's people that don't believe in that. They have a theological blockage, and as a result, there's no way that they're going to open up their heart to receive the marvelous gift, which, by the way, is the least of the gifts, but it is a great gift, the marvelous gift of praying in in a heavenly language, the perfect will of God through you. There's people who just won't receive that because in their perception, the way that they see things, that's not true, that's not real, and only whack jobs... That's whacked out. That stammering thing. If your perception of Jesus is that he doesn't heal anymore, it's hard to walk in into a place of faith to receive him as healer. If your perception of God is that he really isn't a good provider, then you will set up a stronghold in your mind that says, well, he can't do that. And I'm not tithing either. That's stupid. I don't believe in that. Oh, yeah. Capernaum received Jesus. Nazareth, when they saw him, they had a mental offense. They had a mental offense. Their perception of Jesus was, didn't we change your shorts when you were smaller? Isn't this your sister? Don't we know your mother? What are you doing? You sure have grown up, Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing? And it says he could only heal a few sick people because of their unbelief. And he was amazed at their unbelief. But in Capernaum, they received him as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the one who carried the very power and the fire of God. They saw him as somebody who could raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. They saw him accurately. And as a result, a healing miracle breakthroughs took place. And he healed all the people that came. Perception. Faith. perceptions are very different from Nazareth to Capernaum. And our faith is either hindered or released by our perceptions. I'm preaching better than your amen, and I'm telling you, your faith will either be hindered or released based upon how you perceive things. Look, I'll just bring it home for me personally, a personal experience. I crawled into this church in 1992 in Hawaii. Craw- I'm when I mean crawled, I'm talking crawled. I was walking for the first part of it, the last half of, to the altar. I think, well, that's exaggerating a little bit. The last 25%, I was on my face crawling, weeping, crying, asking God to please set me free. Now, there were people in the church at that time. Micah was at the church at that time. He was about this big. There was people in the church at that time that saw me. Well-meaning, people that loved God, they saw me come in. Ripped shorts, messed up, crying. Now, I, I, I didn't instantly pop up and they put a tie on me and they threw me in a ministry. No, I had some training. And Jack, I needed training. And I thank God for all the people that slapped me down and told me I was doing something foolish. and told me to wear deodorant, brush your teeth. Hey, don't do that. Look, where's, look you got to cover yourself. I thank God for, for people, men of God, that would tell me, look, dude, quit flirting like that. The men of God don't do that. What do you mean? You know, and begin to instruct me and teach me in the Word. I thank God. I'd have left, frankly. I'd have left. But I'd left every other place all before that. I'd have left, but I really, I'm an out of vision. The Lord said, you ain't leaving. Because you already did the geographical move, slick. And everywhere you went, there you were. Stupid. Dumb as a box of rocks, busted, disgusted, wasted. Why don't you stay and listen to what somebody tells you for the first time in your life? And so somehow, somehow, it's a miracle. And so as, as, as training went on, God elevated me and, and, and then anointings came and blessings came. Now I'm going to tell you, back to perception, there came a moment when I wasn't just a guy in the church, but God had elevated me. I did life groups and they blew up and people were getting healed and people were getting touched and, and I had an opportunity to preach at a men's meeting. And even then, God's shaping me and molding me and He's not done with me yet. But here's what I found happened. As God elevated me from somebody who crawled in the house 
elevated me and made me a leader with an anointing, then this interesting thing happened when, when Dr. Morocco turned me loose to pray for people. I had people that had a perception that I was just, when I prayed for them, Jesus was going to lay hands on them and they were going to get a miracle. And I'm going to tell you, when I laid hands on them, man, God would rush right through me or by me and bam, miracle. And then I had somebody, and it was interesting because I'd move to the next person to pray and it'd be like laying hands on a cinder block. And then I would notice it was that person that that was there the early days who, who, who saw where I came from. And I began to realize, man... I think they have a perception problem with me. And I remember talking to Dr. about it. He says, yeah, that's, that's very good, Daniel. That's good training. Because people will perceive you certain ways. The way that they perceive you is how they will receive from God or not. And then he said this to me. If anybody ever loses respect for you, you will never be ministering to them again. I thought, oh. I will just tell you now, if you lose respect for me, Say goodbye. We'll bless you. Go find another church. Because you're done receiving from God. Now, sometimes the enemy comes to lie to you about stuff. Don't let him drive you out on a lie. And I I live my life before God with my wife, holy and blameless as best I can. Like I said, I get in the flesh sometimes and tell you to go get a grip. You know, and I'll repent and all of that. But the point is, perception affects your faith. either hinders your faith or releases it. Perceptions will hinder or release a miracle. All right, let me move to the next point. Faith is tied to our understanding of authority. Do you respect authority? Just because you got a bad deal from a police officer who might have had a bad day or something, you need to respect the police. Look, you respect and honor people not based on... Listen to this. Listen, let's set you free. Are you ready? You respect and honor people not based on whether they're worthy of respect and honor. You, are you listening? You respect people and you, and you honor them. Listen, everybody listening? You respect them and honor them because you are a person of honor and respect. It's different. That is who you are. So you give honor and respect whether they deserve it or not. And if you learn to do that, it will release life. Honor releases life. Honor and respect release faith. In our society, about 40 years ago, there was a counterculture called the hippie movement. At the end of the 60s, there was an intense desire to break down all authority structures. Some of you lived through that time, miraculously. They wanted to break down all authority structures, and now we've reaped the results, and our families are destroyed, basically. There's divorces rampant. Pregnant people just get abortions. They don't want to have a baby. They don't really honor, understand or honor life. Respect and honor was lost in our country, really beginning at that time. And you can, you can look at, at statistics from when they pulled the Bible out of the school and when that counterculture movement hit, and you can watch crime just go right through the roof. Murder, everything goes right through the roof. Crime, all of that. It's never school shootings back in the 50s. Why is that? I'm not saying we were a perfect country, but there was a, a principles of honor and respect. And we lose understanding of authority. We lose out on the miraculous power of God. Let me say it again. When you lose your understanding and respect of authority, you will lose out on the miraculous power of God. All of you kids... All you kids, look at me. All the children, we love you. Praise the Lord. Look at Pasty. Are y'all listening? All you kids, look at me. Okay, hey, hey, whee, in the background. Okay, hey, okay. Y'all listening? 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 Good. You need to honor and respect your mom and dad. Because that will help you have a good life. If you don't, honor your father and mother and you'll have a long life. And live, live in the earth. Dishonor mom and dad, have a short one. I command my kids to honor their mother and to honor me. I've found that when I win and I, and I make them, I command that of them, then they win. If they win, they lose. And if you, if you allow your kids to treat you with dishonor and, and disrespect... 
then you will basically probably end up with a prison ministry later on. We need to have an understanding of authority. need to have it. Got to have it. And by understanding authority, the power of God will be released in your home, in the church. The other point that I want to make is, do, do, do we operate in the authority the Lord has given us? The Lord has given us. You operate in the authority that God has given you. I remember coming up on a, um, on a really bad car accident, two flipped automobiles. When I come up on stuff like that, you know, with, before the police are there, I've had that happen many times. Well, not many times, a handful of times. When I have that happen, it's not a thought process that I go through. Uh, oh, you know, I'm, my truck is on the side. I'm out already. I'm already moving into the scene before I'm registering. We have a problem. I'm already, it's just sort of the way I'm, it's, a, it's the pastor thing. It's a shepherd deal. I'm going to go save a sheep. And I remember coming up to this one scene, cars upside down, there's gasoline, and there's people that have gotten there before me, and they are around the car, and, and the guys panicked out in the car. I came on the scene and just said, excuse me, everybody make way, make way, everybody move away. Everybody kind of moved aside, and I got down on a knee. I said, I said, okay, man, first most important thing, look at me, dude. He's all looking at me in shock. I said, if you die right now, are you going to heaven? Now, let me tell you what happened. There was a couple people in the crowd that flipped out. I mean, they flipped. How dare you? I turned around and said, shut up, dude. I'm bigger than him anyway. You know what I mean? Shut up, dog. And he was like, I think I flexed, rippled a little bit. I led the guy to Jesus and prayed for him. He lived. He lived. I went over to the other car. And and there's a guy in the car, same situation. I showed up. I said, look, this is really serious. He says, I don't know where my wife is. She was launched from the car. The baby was launched from the car. They didn't know where they were. He said, please, please. And so I, I, I walked away from it. I said, I'll be right back. I looked around. I found his wife was okay. And the baby was miraculously okay. And they were on the side. And, and so I went back. I said, your wife and your baby are alive. And I said, but I don't know how you're doing. Now listen to me, dude. He said, yes. He said, I said, I'm a pastor, and God sent me to your car right now. I need to ask you this question. Do you believe in Jesus? He said, yes, I believe in Jesus. I said, are you living for him? No, I'm not living for him. No, I'm living. I said, okay, well, you're going to give your heart to Jesus right now. And I led him in a simple prayer. He got saved. And they came with the jaws of life, and they broke him out. I went over to the wife. I said, told the same thing. See, I understand that I have authority in God, and when life and death is on the line, hell is a real place. And I know that. There's no doubt. You don't have to talk me into it. I understand that. So when I move on a scene where there's life or death, I'm bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that they get healed. I pray that they get saved. And so the, 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 I went to the wife. I told him, look, I just asked the husband this question. If you die right now, you know, and she's like, oh, God. I said, he's not going to die, you know. I thought maybe I should probably choose better words. But I told her she, he just recommitted his life to the Lord. You need to do the same thing. She says, I know. We've been wanting to go back to church. I said, okay. And we prayed. And, and everything was okay. There was an article in the newspaper the following Sunday. They took an ad out in the paper. I didn't flip on my card or tell him to go to my church or anything. They said, to the reverend who ministered to us in our car. We can't thank you enough, for we know that it was your prayer. That I mean, it goes on. They took this thing out of the newspaper, and they wrote this letter, and somebody found it. They said, dude, did you read this? This is awesome. I read it. I was like, holy, holy cow. That was me. And so I ran around the church. This was me. This, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Are you using the authority that God has given you? When I'm going to tell you, God is looking for somebody who will just stand up in this community. Somebody who will rise up and begin to declare, you can be healed. You can be whole. Your marriage can be healed. He's looking for somebody in the schools who will turn, their, turn away 
from the things of tradition and the things of, of degradation and lust and pride and begin to stand up and live for God. I'm going to tell you in the high schools, y'all listening? I'm going to tell you in those high schools, God can cause a wave of His Spirit to come that living for God becomes a cool thing, not the other way around. You just need a bunch of people that will stand up unashamed, unabashed, bold as brass, full of the love of the anointing of God, and begin to declare what God wants to do in that generation. And you'll begin to have people that come to that. Are you moving in the authority that God has given you on the job? Are you moving in authority in your home? Are you praying with authority and power? Come on, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to your Lord. My son. That's not going to get it. It ain't going to bring any revival. I've just wound myself up. Some scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, and then I'll close. Some scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Matthew 18, 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Revelation 12, 11. They overcame Him. Talking of Satan. You and I have power and authority. And I'm going to tell you that we have crippled heaven many times because we've not stood up in our God-given, blood-bought right and begin to turn the gates of hell back with the word of the name of Jesus and the power and authority that we've given. Sickness, infirmity, disease, it must go. Don't tolerate that in your life which Jesus has given you authority to drive out. I'm going to say that again. Don't tolerate and put up with what the enemy has placed in your life when Jesus has given you authority to drive that thing out. Drive it out. Stand up and command that thing. Take your bony, prophetic finger and say, leave. It's not how, how loud you raise your voice. You know, I get fired up. I'm, 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 I'm a zealot. You know, that's just kind of the way I'm wired up. Somebody once said to me, you know why demons leave when you pray for them? It's because you're so loud. You know, God's not deaf. I love what Dan Morocco said. Yeah, he ain't nervous either. So I, I, I sort of thought about that. Oh, I'm kind of loud. I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to whisper. For all the next season of deliverance that I pray for people, I'm just going to whisper. And so I, I tried it. It's not me. But it works. So I, I just said, in the name of Jesus, devil, loose your hold. They got free. I thought, well, that was pretty cool. Let's try that again. In Jesus' name, I break every assignment of hell off of you. Devil, you got to go right now in Jesus' name. And the person would be like, I feel different. Like, awesome. But I don't like doing it that way, so I don't do it that way anymore. But you don't have to be loud. It's just authority. Believe what God has says, said. Exercise your authority in prayer. Persevere by obeying God. To be dependent on the Holy Spirit. So two things we've seen. Will Jesus be amazed at faith or unbelief? I want it to be faith. Faith is tied to authority. The first pastor I had was on the island of Molokai. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, where's your power? I mean, you know, I don't really see. I was telling him, I don't really see the, act, the miracle in the book of Acts. Where, where, what's up? When I'm praying for people, you know, we've got a sore throat healed. and You know, I mean, I see some stuff. And I'm saying, God, where's your power? The Lord interrupted my prayer time, spoke so clearly to my heart and said, Son, do you think I have a power problem? No. No, you don't have a power problem. He said, but my church does. I said, yes, I believe that. That's true. Absolutely. And I, so my question, you know, what's up with that? And as clear as a bell, 
I heard the Lord say to me, my heart, my spirit, they have a power problem because they have an authority problem. And they don't really believe my word. And so I preached on that. That was just before Resurrection Sunday. I, I preached a message that there's no resurrection without a submission to authority. Some of you need God's power in your life desperately. And that power, well, He so longs to release to you. But because we rationalize the Word or, you know, it just didn't come to us the way that we wanted it to or... That preacher's too loud, or he's too soft, or I didn't like the music. We make all kinds of excuses. But the real thing is this, that, that we've got to have an understanding of authority which is, releases faith, which releases the miraculous. Dr. Morocco, 1976, helped a bag lady in, out of a park in Oahu, in Honolulu, the city of Honolulu. And they rented an apartment for her. They moved her into the apartment and all of her bags, helped her go through some of her bags. They paid. They couldn't afford to do it, but the Lord, it felt like the Lord told them to. He paid for her apartment. And then it was shortly thereafter, as he continued to pay her rent, he was called out of Honolulu to Maui and started the, the cathedral there in Maui with 50 people or 100 people, I think, their first Sunday. Shortly thereafter, he got a phone call from the previous church that he used to work for. The senior pastor that said, Jim, got some bad news. You know, the lady that you helped, you rented the apartment for. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she was killed. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I, I got a call from her lawyer in the trust fund. What? Yeah, she was killed by a bus, but she was a very, very, very wealthy lady. Had a very large trust fund. And uh, they called us. So I, I just wanted you to know that she died. Dr. Morocco hung the phone up and thought, I've been hoodwinked, man. That lady had more money than I did. I was sacrificing, missing meals so she could live in an apartment. And he began to pitch a fit to the Lord. God, that ain't right. I've been going without. Lord, you told me to do it. Lord, what's that? And the Lord just interrupted and said, hey, son, you're exactly like her. You walk around with bags. When you have an inheritance and, and, and the true riches of heaven, you have everything in my kingdom at your resource, but you never use it. You're like a bag lady. I don't want to be like that. And it's all linked to authority and faith and understanding what God's Word says. The centurion understood it had great faith. All God has to say, we don't, we don't have to yell, we don't have to scream. Truth is, if your faith's at a level, you don't even have to have hands laid on you. Although that's a biblical thing. How many of you have, you need a miracle now? You need a miracle. Alright. Why, why don't you speak forth your miracle right now? Oh, well, I, tell that, that part that says, oh, well, I, tell that part to shut up. Come on, somebody say shut up. Now you speak to that miracle that you need. You believe, now listen, you've got to know that it's God's will. Come on. You've got to know it's God's will. You can't just be like, Harley Davidson, saddlebags, yes. Oh. V-twin. Come on, we're talking about the things of eternity. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Let me take care of one thing and then we're going to make some declarations and we'll close. Is this okay, you all right? I'm about a few minutes over. If you've been wounded by authority, that could be your mom, your dad, anybody in your life pastor, whatever, you realize that there, there might be some woundedness there that's, that I'm a little gun shy. Come on, when I played Little League, I pitched for one game. I got a line drive to the face. I was all... <clears throat> just didn't feel like pitching ever again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's called ball shy. 
And my dad told me, you can do it. And the only problem is I was flinching every time I got to the... Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I line drive to the face by Bubba from the farm. Big, burly guy. You know, he's like four foot two. I think I was six years old. He was like a whole foot bigger than everybody else. But he had a beard. I think he shaved. He was eight. Cracked a line drive. Now, the next time I got up to pitch, I just lost my desire to be the pitcher. I, I was just like... And the next line, you know, next line drive came. I was all, ah! Right? Bullshy. Some of you have been wounded in the area of, of authority, and as a result, you're wondering whether God's going to put a line drive to your face. You're just not sure. You need healing. So if you've got a line drive to your face somehow... Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit. But you know that you, you, you need some healing in the area of authority. I want you just to come. I want to pray over you. I'm just going to pray over you generally. Come. It could be in marriage. It could be spiritual authority, leadership, fathers, mothers. You know you need healing in the area of authority. Now all we're going to do is we're just going to ask... We're going to ask that Jesus would heal those wounds. And then we're going to make some declarations. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Some of you are going to have some notable miracles take place in your life. All right, let's just ask God right now. How many of you know what the situation is? You know what it was. All right, just bring that before God right now. Jesus, come now. Come into that hurtful place that that happened in the home or maybe in school. Come into those, those wounds that happened in that church. Come into the place where people were abused. Jesus, come right now and heal them. Pull the stinger out. Heal them. And, it, and, and, the, and the Lord would say that place of woundedness is the root of your unbelief. You, you've got to allow me in to heal. You've got to forgive some of you. You really, you've got to forgive whoever did that. See, you don't know what they did. No, but I know what he did. He died on a cross for that very thing. He died on the cross for that, that family member that, that abused you. He died on the cross for that father that didn't take care of you and cherish you like the princess that you were. He died on the cross for, for that, that mother that abandoned you. He died on the cross for those things that happened to you in your life. He died on the cross for all of that. All of it was sin. It was not the will of God. It is the will of God for you to be healed. It is the will of God for you to be whole. It is the will of God for you not to lie on your bed anymore, tormented by the memories of what happened when you were a little girl or a little boy or what happened ten years ago in that church when you just knew God was going to bring revival and all of a sudden there was a split. It's not God's will for you to be tormented through any of these things. It is God's will that you would be healed. And that healing comes by the cross of Jesus. He died. He became a curse. So that you could be free. Lord, now in Jesus' name, I take authority over all of these hurts. And I ask you, Lord, to come in now. And heal. Hela mama boshi di eleliya manelemiya nama. Eleliya nando. Eledi eledi. Jileliya jileliya mama mama ye. Eledi. Jilide eledi ye shalama. Shema, healing Jesus, healing Jesus, healing Jesus, you're the bomb in Gilead, help me, healing Jesus, healing Jesus, healing Jesus, healing Jesus. Healing 
Jesus. Heal every wound right now. Healing Jesus. Healing Jesus. Healing Jesus. Oh, every memory, every hurt. Healing Jesus. Healing Jesus. Healing Jesus. Now right before Him, whoever, whoever perpetrated that against you, whoever the perpetrator was, you need to forgive them. Mention their name before the throne now and let it go. Now forgiveness is not something that you'll feel like doing necessarily. It's something that you are mandated to do because of without forgiving those who came against you, your sins are not forgiven according to the Word of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive those who sinned against us, you need to forgive that person. And unforgiveness is just like our way of trying to get back. But if you'll let God avenge you and realize that that thing was put upon Jesus, who was on the cross, and you need to just extend forgiveness, not because you feel like it, because it's the Word of God. Your feelings will follow later. Make a declaration of forgiveness. That's what I want you to do right now. Whoever you need to forgive, just declare it to them. Declare it before God. God, I forgive my father. Go ahead, write out loud under your breath. I mean, you know, the person next to you doesn't necessarily have to know. Just right before God, I, I forgive my father. I forgive my mother. I, just ask God to, for, for, to forgive them and, and you forgive them now. Oh, something's breaking right now. People are getting broken free. Going to have new authority and new faith. Some of you need to forgive yourself. That was probably the biggest one. Forgive yourself for the stuff that you did. Come on, he died for that. Some of you have been angry at God. It wasn't his fault. He didn't do it. He carried you. He sustained you to bring you to a moment like this so that you could have your heart cleansed. Come on, this is an important moment. Release people. Release those who hurt you. Release them now. Don't hold on. God, I pray for hearts to be softened in this moment. Forgive. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to make these declarations. Hold church. Those of you online, say this. Say, I am under authority. I have authority. God wants to use me. Faith, confident assurance is released in my life tonight. Let's say it again. Say, I am under authority. Say, I have authority. God wants to use me. Faith is released in my life tonight and the rest of my life. Give me a boldness to move in authority that I might see your kingdom expanded and demonstrated as never before. I speak to my personal mountain tonight. Come on, say it like you mean it. I speak to my personal mountain tonight and I say, Be Removed in Jesus' name. Say it again. I speak to my personal mountain tonight. Be removed in Jesus' name. Say it again. Be removed in Jesus' name. Say it again. Be removed in Jesus' name. Say it again. Be removed in Jesus' name. Now give a shout like you just got your miracle. Come on. Come on. Come on. Shout to God! Hey! Thank you, Jesus. Did you get something tonight? Move in a new authority. Watch what God's going to do now. And on these miracles, they come in. You make sure you testify. 
You share them with me so we can share them with everybody else. Take someone by the hand all across this place. Woo! Let's pray one for another. God, thank you for what you've done tonight. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your authority. Thank you for the truth of your word. We will not be hindered by a lack of understanding or perception any longer. We realize that you're moving us up. You're bumping us up to a place of higher authority, revelation of your word, so that we can get the job done. You have called us. You have anointed us. You have chosen and selected us to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. Lord, I ask now in Jesus' name, let the wave of your fire... Let a wave of your Spirit come upon us, even as never before, that the world may know that you're the God who heals, hurts, and sets the captives free, raises the dead, cleanses the leper, feeds the 5,000, feeds the 4,000, rolls away the stone and raises the dead. You're the God of, with faith that nothing is impossible with you. So go before us this week, God, and... May the glory of the Lord be our rear guard as we continue to fast and pray for breakthrough. Bring us back Tuesday night, Lord, and be glorified in everything that we say and do. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.